uh, just reach out to like 20 people when I when I needed advice about something and I get 20 different um, suggestions or 20 different pieces of advice. But now I think it's more about the quality than the quantity and and just listen to people who've actually done it. Like, why would I listen to somebody who's 500 pounds overweight? Any advice on fitness? Success is yours to find and yours to define. But there's often times where you don't know what to look for or even what to do. That's where we come in. Welcome to the Get Your Grind Up Podcast. Home of the young, dedicated, up-and-coming, motivated, and bold. We've gathered the future leaders and success stories of our generation to share their blueprints on how they get it done. Best part is, they're just like you and me, so there's no reason you can't too. So, get your grind up. What's going on, everyone? It's your favorite co-host from the East Coast, and we are back once again, getting our grind up, and we've missed you guys so, so much. We've been away from the podcasting game for a little over two to three months now, but don't worry, we've been working, we've been grinding, and we have a lot to share. Uh, but for this season of Get Your Grind Up, the Get Your Grind Up podcast, I should say, you know what, I'm not even going to give you guys any spoilers. We're going to get right into it right now. We've brought on a good friend of ours. You've seen him on earlier podcasts, but he's back again, and he has some fresh new updates for us. Daniel, say what's up to the people. What is going on, everybody? Thank you guys for having me again on this amazing platform, this show that I so much enjoy listening to every week. So I'm glad you guys are back. You know what? It's, it's glad. I'm glad to be back, man. It, it feels good. It feels good, honestly. And honestly, your middle name should be making a difference in that order because that's all you seem to be doing. Um, but before I get ahead of myself, because, you know, it's been a while, get a little excited. Let us know where you think you are right now on your loading bar. So I was thinking back at what I answered in the first episode. And I think when I first answered in the first episode, I, I, I was said I was 29% because that was my age and thinking that I would, I would live to 100. But then, you know, it's been a couple of months that I've been thinking a lot about this, um, that I don't think every the time is created equal. And that everything that I've done so far is just building the foundation for the future. So now I would actually say my loading bar is at 10% of really what I want to accomplish. Because now that I have a better, solid, more foundation of, and I know what I can accomplish, I have more confidence in what I can, like what's possible, I'm lowering my loading bar to 10%. That's interesting because when we talked to you a few months ago, you were kind of on the, the up and up, right? You're starting to produce all this content where your podcast, your book was coming out, and that sort of all kind of happened again in those past few months. But you're saying that your loading bar has sort of or well, your your mindset around your loading bar has kind of decreased in that you're 10% now. Um, talk a little bit more about why you feel that time isn't always created equal. Yeah, so I guess the best way, going back to that loading bar analogy, is I have upgraded my mindset, so now my loading bar has gone down, right? And I've upgraded the way that, you know, just thinking what is possible, Right before I was going and looking at my goal boards, I so I have set goal boards when I was in high school, and one of those goal board goals was to be an Amazon best-selling author, and it literally was that Amazon like sticker, right? 
and accomplishing that, realize that I can reach any goal I set my mind to as long as I am willing to put in the work that requires to reach that goal. And it's not necessarily going to say that, hey, it's easy. It's just saying I'm fortunate enough to live in America where there's so much opportunity out there that technology has really balanced out the playing field and is allowing me to create content like a media company would have created 20, 30 years ago, and now I could just do it all by myself or with a team or with a virtual assistant or with the help of interns and my wife. Like That to me is amazing. And so I, the more I learn, the more I realize that I really don't know. And I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, uh, I feel like that, that compound or just like that evolution of ideas or, or concept is just really what keeps people like us going. Um, knowing we have a set goal that we're trying to accomplish, but then accomplishing a smaller goal on the way to that main overall objective, our eyes are open to all that we could really do. Um, for example, when Justin and I just started the podcast, our initial goal was just to start a podcast. And now we're here hosting events. And, you know, in, in your sense, you've transitioned from the, the podcasting space. Um, now you're creating your own book. You're working your way towards an Amazon bestseller. Uh, you're slowly making your way up the ladder. And uh, I feel like once you hit that next step, whatever that may be, we, we might be reaching for the stars here. Absolutely, man. I, I think, you know, so much has changed since last time I was on this podcast. Yet it, it, when you think about it in a time frame period, it is not that long, right? Like it's been less than six months. Yeah, so much has changed. And, and, the, and the one thing I remember, like it's a Tony Robbins quote that really impacted me a long time ago is that most people under overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in their life. And I just find that quote to be so true. And one of the things that I learned, uh, you know, in the last couple of months is focus is key. And now that I realize that when I focus on something, like my focus was to write this book that's been in my head for the last five years, you know, I've done all this research, I've interviewed hundreds of industry experts, now writing this book, and I was able to do it. And then the second goal was, okay, I want to have a really successful book launch, because what's the point of having a book and no one reads it? And then... I spent like two months focusing on the book launch. And then when it was a successful book launch and I was able to reach number one on three different categories on Amazon, then I was like, wow, focus really works. Like if I just focus all my energy on just two to three goals a quarter, I'm much more efficient and effective than if I have 10 goals that I'm trying to achieve all at the same time. Yeah. And I feel like that really is like momentum helps with that. Right. I know at least for me, like there's been times where I've tried to set those like 10, 15 goals. Like I'm going to do this, 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 this in this month. And then like the month starts going and either I forget about something or I don't achieve that that milestone or whatever it may be. And I start to get down on myself and then that makes me become lazy. And then that makes me not hit like other goals, but other months when I've set like maybe two or three goals and I can focus more just like how you have with your book and your classes. And I've really been able to hit it and then kind of continue that momentum into the following months. Right. I feel like that's, that's similar to what you've been able to do over these past few months. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Like the way when you say it like that way, it makes so much sense to me too. Because like, yes, like the fact that I was able to finish the book and execute the book. Now, if I have a goal of having a six-figure launch for my online course, then 
I know I could do it, right? Like I, now I'm so motivated by the momentum from my from my previous success for that, you know, for those wins that I've continued to have month after month, then it, it just motivates me to wake up and work hard and, and do what I need to do to be able to reach my next goal. So give us a, a little insight. So I know we kind of glanced over it um, with the the whole book launch. Give us a little insight on your progress to that point. Because last time we, we left off, um, we were talking about the Mastering College to Career podcast, um, you taking that, that leap of faith, quitting your job, um, and really, really honing in on the college students and providing that, uh, that necessary um, I guess that that necessary information and support uh, that they needed. So how did we get from, you know, the Mastering the College to Career podcast to where we are right now? Man, that is, that is a good question. So a lot of tests and trials, right? Like when I, when I first left my corporate America job, I, I said, you know what? I think the best way to help college students get jobs is through um, seminars, is through events. And then I realized that that route for me wasn't it. It was just really hard. There's just so many obstacles. Like it was hard for me to execute it. I probably executed it really wrong. And I said, okay, what is another way that I can help? And then I said, okay, well, every single book that I've read when it comes to helping students get jobs from college to career was written by two different types of people. One was a professor who was never worked a job other than being in the university since he's graduated. He's, he's worked at a university perspective and doesn't really understand what companies are looking for, what the struggles of students are having. And then the other type of person that was writing these types of books were very successful business, business people that had all the knowledge in the world, that understood what companies were looking for, but they did not understand the problems, obstacles, and opportunities that students were facing. So they understood the company's point of view, but they didn't understand the student. And then the professors maybe had a good understanding of the students and understanding how the universities work, but didn't understand how the companies worked and why they hired and why they made the decisions that they did. And when I look back at my personal experience when I was in college, I found success finding a job. I had multiple job offers. From there, I went to work for a Fortune 50 company, and part of my job was recruiting. It wasn't my full job. I was in sales, but it was one of those side projects that I took on because I wanted to be an excellent employee, and I would come back to campus and recruit, and to the point that I became in charge of a recruiting for our region. And I was interviewing hundreds of people every year. So I understood the company's perspective. I understood the student's perspective. And that between interviewing and being and speaking in over 30 universities, I understood the university's perspective. So when I wrote the book, I wanted to make it, right? I wanted to create a resource for students that they can just read. They could pay less than $20 on Amazon and read a book that's going to tell them a step-by-step guide on how to land a job. And, and I thought the book was the best platform. But then what I also realized when I was writing the book and, and doing a lot of focus groups with students is that a lot of students don't want to read for fun because they have so much reading they already have to do for school. And so that's when I started utilizing a lot of the same content of the book, but making it into an online module course, like which I call the Mastering College to Career Academy, which is the same lessons that you learn from the book, but with videos and resources and worksheets and just so much more supplementary material and live office hours that now they have access to me to really take them across the finish line. That's super interesting. And I want to dive into that first section which I'm going to call the pivot, right? Because I was kind of there, we were talking back and forth when you were setting up this event and it was a 
big part of your focus. Like it was literally the one thing that you're working on for a few months, I would say. Um, let's talk about sort of like your mindset going into it and then how you were able to make that shift into um, changing it from, okay, I'm going to host this big event into, okay, let me look at the book and module approach um, towards yeah. everything. Man, you're bringing me back to some dark times, Justin, but let's talk about it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, that's, that's the, the beauty, beauty of, it, right? of the podcast, so, yeah, man. I'm going to put you guys, I'm going to share with the audience my mindset going into it, right? I was making over six figures at this corporate job. And when I was at this corporate job, I had a mentor who had a staffing agency. And his agency, with the way he was telling it to me, it's a mentor. I say that word loosely because it was somebody that I would talk to probably every couple months. We would grab coffee. He would give me some good advice. You know, he was just, from, my, from the outside looking in, he was a successful business person. Long story short, I go in and I leave my corporate job to go work with him because he told me, he says, hey, come work for me for about a year. Help me grow my staffing agency and I will help you grow your mastering college to career business, right? And when I was there... It wasn't what I was, what I expected, right? It just wasn't it. And I kind of had to say, okay, I can either go back to corporate America, which I have the connections, I know the job, or if I ever wanted to start this business, this is it, right? And so I had a conversation with my wife. I said, hey, babe, I'm just going to just start my business. No plan. I had no plan other than I already knew the topic, right? Helping college students get jobs. Other than that, I had no idea how I was going to make money, nothing. So then what happens is November 1st, oh, we're, we're getting to my one-year deadline, like uh, anniversary. November 1st, 2018, I, I start my business, right? I start my business and I said, okay, what is the best way to make this a business? And to, in order for it to be a business and not a hobby, you need to make money. And I said, all right, I think doing an event, a seminar, a reverse career fair, like how do I make this event for students? charge the companies, charge the students entry. Um, this would be a great business plan. I partnered up with someone that partnership didn't work out. Long story short, I spent six months working on the mastering college to career seminar. And I was banking on this idea of that SGAs would fund students. But what I did, I didn't realize that there were so many steps. Like I had great relationship with, with, with student government. There was value to the students. So it would actually be free to students. I had companies that were interested as long as I had the students. It's like when you think about this type of seminar, and you guys know this more than anybody, it's like you need students to get companies, but you need the companies to attract the students. So it's such a catch 2020 or whatever, 22, whatever that <laughs> phrase is. Dude, Man, it's, 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 it's tough, right? No, I know. 100%. It is tough. And so when SGA didn't fall, didn't fell through because of the fact that it was so complicated for students to go through and it didn't have enough time to actually get their checks because it, like if I, if, if I would have planned it a year in advance, it would have worked. Then the companies fell through and then I literally had to like cut my losses, man. And six months of work without making any money, I'm on my own after making over six figures that was tough, man. That was tough on my ego. That was tough on my wallet. That was tough. I mean, that was so t that was tough. And that's when I had to pivot. I had to be like, all right, what's next? Do I go back to corporate America or do I keep trying? And 
I kept trying, man. And I'm still trying. Like, I haven't solved it. No, but that's huge. Like, you're you're taking the step to invest in yourself. And I think that's a, a unique feature that's often overlooked in everyone's everyday lives. Like, what are we doing individually to invest in ourselves? For, uh, for a certain individual, it's, it's, you know, taking that chance, making that jump, taking that leap to chase your dreams or do something you're passionate about for for others it's you know taking or investing in yourself am i going to work out today or am i going to read that book um that i said i was going to read it's it can be as little as or as big as you want but it's these little things that we we do for our we don't do for ourselves so often um that we kind of just let pass by but you're you're taking advantage of that you're you're making the most out of the situation and believing in yourself and knowing your worth and i i want to applaud you for that um because i think that's something that's really uh, memorable and something that should be highlighted thank you man no it's seriously it's huge um because you know i've being in a a big corporate environment um right now I, i work with tons of people every day and i i see what not investing in yourself um can can be at times um where it can take you and how you know life can essentially just pass you by so it's you know even though it's not a clear-cut path to success or whatever your destination is um taking or making that first leap which you've already done um is a huge step and staying resilient to that um but if you if you don't mind me going back to um, the struggles a little bit, um, that pivot point I think is huge because there are there is going to come a point in all of our lives, whether it's now, later, or sometimes even several times, to where life will essentially shut us down and say, you know what, this should be the end of the road, um, and you have the opportunity to agree and you know fold or um, you know poker, you just write it out and call its bluff and see what happens. And uh, tell me about your, your thought process and your, your strength to overcome um, a, a, you know, a setback and to continue chasing the dream. Yeah. So the, the dilemma was like, and at no point did I think that what my messaging or what I'm trying to do wasn't like wouldn't be successful the question really came down is is it the right timing is it the right vehicle is it am i doing it the right way like am i executing it the right way like i by this time right like i've already been speaking at universities for five years while i was still working in corporate america i had already helped hundreds like personally helped hundreds of students get jobs with top tier companies like with companies that are harder to get a job at than to get into harvard and so I've already had all those success stories and I've already seen how people's students' lives had changed. What I didn't know or still, you know, still working on figuring it out is how do you make a business out of it, right? Do you charge the students? Do you charge the university? Do you charge the parents? Do you charge the companies? Like all that, and like at the end of the day, the, the goal is still the same, helping students have a job lined up before graduation. And at that time when that moment came, when I thought that the seminars were going to be it, like live events, nothing can replace a life interaction. I thought that was it. And when I realized that it, it still could be it, I just didn't execute it right. So I have to either figure out is if seminars are still it, what I need to change, one, 
or is there another route that I can take that can help me monetize my business so that I don't have to go back to corporate America? Because I know that if I can make this a business, then I can, instead of just thinking about a hundred students that I helped, I can think about the thousands or the hundred thousands or the million students that now have amazing careers that they enjoy going to and they're not worried about student debt. And, and so I had to really think about that, but then really, you know, at the end of the day, that's just emotionally thinking, but I also had to think how much money do I have in the bank to sustain this, right? Like that is a realistic conversation I have to have with my wife and say, okay, babe, we, we had money saved, but we burned through a lot of it in six months. Now, what, what's the strategy with what we have left in the bank? to be able to determine. And, and to me, I, I, I decided to invest in myself and I said, all right, you've already spent four months of 2019. You have until the end of 2019 to figure it out. And if you can figure it out, great. If not, then you're going to have to, again, cut your losses. But the closer I get to that date, the, the, the closer I realize that I'm not like, I am on the right track. Like this is, this is what I'm doing. Like it's already successful. Like I've gone from a hundred, helping a hundred students to now, multiplying that in a matter of months. No, that's amazing, man. And I definitely, I, I know the quality of your work because I've seen it firsthand with some of the students that I've interacted with. Pretty much every really successful student on campus knows who you are, knows your name, which is amazing. Um, but I know on the entrepreneurial journey, especially when we're on sort of like the lows, right? Because it comes in ebbs and flows. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And when you're down, at least for myself, we like to reach out to other people, um, usually successful people that, and ask for advice. But what comes with that is you get so much advice that you never necessarily can know what is right and what is wrong. Um, so especially when it comes to education, everyone thinks that they have like the greatest idea, but no one's ever really executed on it. How do you go about sourcing your advice and the people whose information that you take, um, for like seriously, essentially, man, I I love that question. So last week's episode of my podcast, I talked about running yourself like a business. And one of the things that businesses have, whether they're public or private, they have a board of directors. And if they're private, they call them board of advisors because at the end of the day, if it's a private company, the owners have the last say, but they still have their board of advisors. And and I talked about how um, Amazon, you know, like arguably the most successful company in the world, how they're trying to get into the food market. And, and so what they do, did is that they just recruited the ex-CEO of PepsiCo, which PepsiCo is the largest food and beverage company in North America, to their board of directors, right? Because if they can have her giving them advice on how to get into the food market, their odds, I mean, they're going to be successful. And that, I think, that same business philosophy and strategy applies to our life. And, um, and so when I look at that, I really want – whenever. People will give you advice. Everybody will give you advice, and advice is free, and, 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 and anybody will give you their opinion. For me, I, I have to think about it like this. is I want to get advice on investment from a successful investor. I want to get advice on fitness from someone who has a six-pack or has a, who has achieved fitness goals that I have achieved. So when I am looking for advice, I have different mentors for different areas of my life. Right. And I'm, I only like really take that advice seriously if it's someone 
that has accomplished the goal that I am trying to accomplish. So when I am down about entrepreneurship and starting a business that it's about influence, I go to my mentor, Francis Rios, who's for the last 10 years has a million dollar business on helping women reach top level, like reach the top of their companies, right? She has the largest conference in Latin America for women executives. It's their seventh year doing it. And she gets 800 women paying over $500 per ticket to go to a one day event. Like she's done what I want to do with college and she's done it in the women's space. So that's who I reach out for advice. If I, and so I think I've learned throughout the years, I used to uh, just reach out to like 20 people when I, when I needed advice about something and I get 20 different um, suggestions or 20 different pieces of advice. But now I think it's more about the quality than the quantity and, and just listen to people who've actually done it. Like, why would I listen to somebody who's 500 pounds overweight, any advice on fitness? That just wouldn't make sense. No, you're, you're, you're right in saying that. And I feel like with people who have some version of success comes um, a level of failure and um, experience as well. Uh, just because we, as we all know, success isn't a, a linear path. It's filled with ups and downs, uh, lefts and rights, and loop-de-loops all the way through. Um, and through that experience, um, you know, of course, we'd like to have success come through at the end. Um, but there's a lot of valuable lessons that we don't necessarily have to physically go through um, just by them relaying their advice or information to us. So there's definitely tons, tons of value um, in, you know, seeking out the right people when going through um, that advice stage in, in your career there. Thank you guys for listening to Daniel's podcast. We have part two coming up later this week. We are so, so happy to be back and we are glad you guys have joined us along for the ride. Always remember, we are all young and dumb and never forget, get your grind up. See you guys soon. Peace.